Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast with me, Joshua Jackson. This podcast, just like the Leaders' Council itself, is all about recognising and celebrating the people who keep this great country running. We exist to give leaders a voice outside of their own organisations and to support them in the same way that they support their staff every single day of the week. If you are in a leadership position yourself and would like to have your voice heard on the national stage, please go to leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Each week on this programme, I'm joined by a different leadership figure from the world of business, education, politics, sports, or you know, even from local communities in the aim of truly discovering who these people are that get up every morning and make this country work. We get their take on the current economic and political landscape of the UK and discuss everything from uh, social care to national insurance price hikes and, uh, of course, the success and the innovation that makes it all worthwhile in the end. On today's programme, I'm delighted to be joined by Angelina Mafura Kurewa, the founder and manager of Meadowcare. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Angelina, welcome. Well, thank you for having me, Joshua. It's not a problem at all. It's going to be a, a fascinating interview, this one. Um, you know, as a manager of a you know, social care and, um, you know, care platform, helping people, you know, every day over the past sort of 18 months of chaos and, and looking ahead to, to continue to do so, um, you've been right in the midst of so many issues. And it's going to be great to get your take on the challenges and, and how you've had to adapt, really. But, um, you know, obviously, we can't start this conversation without touching on COVID and, and the impact that it's had, especially in your field. So, you know, let's start there. Angie, how, how's everything been? Oh, my God, it's COVID. Um, it's less events impact on our, uh, on our service uh, because of people having had this COVID and some have suffered COVID, uh, they decided that they were not going to come back into work. And uh, it left a big gap for us. We are really finding it difficult to fail. And uh, we also lost quite a few clients from COVID. And uh, it, it was really traumatic, honestly, working through this pandemic period. I can imagine it's been very difficult having to balance the needs of the people that you're looking after as well as, you know, the, the, the worries and the challenges of staff. Um, you know, what's been, you know, sort of the most difficult about this period? Right, dealing with people, you could see that they are, they are going to be dying. And uh, waiting for a paramedic to come and take a patient, you know, it's, it's a matter of life or death. You can go into hospital quickly. This left uh, a lot of our staff traumatized by what they were actually witnessing. And also, they themselves being um, in contact with people who have been COVID positive and they had to go away isolated. And remember, these people have got families as well as home. So it's like from work to home, you're passing this uh, coronavirus. So it really has hard a lot of our staff. Uh, in that, some of them, they decided not to come back to work. I can imagine that um, you know has been has been incredibly difficult to be dealing with. Um, you know, from mm. a staff member's perspective, you know, the stresses of trying to maintain their own safety, but as you say, dealing with that mental impact of seeing people who are incredibly ill and you know aren't potentially getting the the quick turnarounds that they need to to survive. Obviously, the pressures on the NHS have been extreme 
and the pressures of getting up and, and going into work, especially for carers, has been underappreciated. Um, do you think that, you know, over the, the course of this, that the respect for your profession has increased? Or do you think that it's still something that, that people need to, um, you know, look at carers and think, you know what, this is a, a worthwhile profession? I think it's high time uh, the, care, the care profession is recognized. To me, it's, it's a profession. Although they don't want to classify it as a profession, but to me it's a profession because these people, they also go under training and they also get certificate diplomas and whatever. And uh, they work honestly, competently. And uh, they do their work wholeheartedly, just like anybody else. And I would appreciate and I would be happy to see this care profession also being recognized and carers is also being recognized as professionals. Yeah, it's something that is highly skilled, um, you know, not only from an education perspective, knowing how to, you know, sort of, treat people and making sure that their needs are being looked after but also those soft skills you know being able to go into a room and you know especially with people with sort of um you know mental degradation put a smile on your face make sure that people are comfortable having the right body language and it it is often something that that people don't respect in that case so a lot more um you know credits needs to be given to you know the people that are working day in day out and i hope that this is something that is going to be, um, you know, recognised with some of the the changes around sort of social care that are, that are being discussed. But um, you know, one of the the main issues at the moment is obviously getting staff and keeping them. Um, you know, how how are you, you how are you finding bringing new blood into um, you know the company and care as a whole? It has been a very challenging uh, time trying to recruit, and we are still having difficulties trying to get new staff in. We've tried everywhere. We've tried the job centers. We've tried the billboards. We've tried other recruitment agencies trying to get new staff. But uh, it looks like uh, a lot of people have decided that they will not go into care uh, because of the pandemic. And most of, most of the time, the people we get like, from the job center are people on benefits. So these people, when they come to work, they don't want to do more than 10 hours because they are afraid of losing their benefits. Although you could see that they can actually put more hours into this work, but they decide that they don't want to do more hours because they will lose their benefits. So it's really very, uh, it, it, it's really depressing sometimes when you, you think that there are people out there doing nothing when actually they, can, they could be working. And which is something that we also want the government to look into. They should encourage people to go back to work and work and um, make sure that anyone who is employable can be employed. We train them, we give them, we, we, we pay them nice, nice, but nice wages now. And uh, still you find that it's difficult to get carers. And the other contributing sector also was Brexit. After Brexit, we saw a lot of people leaving the care sector because these were people from abroad and they all had to go back to their countries because of Brexit. And now here we are, we have got all our local people in um, here who do not even want to know anything about care. So we, we try by all means to advertise and make them aware that caring is a profession. That's why I'm saying we want them to recognize it. And also to understand that it's something also that can give you some joy, some fulfillment, and you, 
they have to learn to appreciate looking after someone. And uh, it's just like working in a hospital when you're looking after patients. It's the same thing. It's only that we're doing it in the community. So uh, this is another issue that we really need to be addressed so that people can understand what caring is all about and why we want people to go into care and that this is a profession which is fulfilling when it's on. Absolutely. You know, it is it is incredibly fulfilling and, um, you know, being able to look after people. And you're right. There is a difference in people's mindsets that, um, you know, when you work in a hospital, it's very much applauded. It's celebrated. But when you work mm. within the community and you're going into people's homes, it's sort of not looked down upon. But um, there's a very different, uh, different feeling towards it, despite it being, you know, as important, if not more, you know, we see the challenges of elderly people being, you know, lonely, not having people, family around or people to rely on. And a carer is that support. It just the message needs to change um, to give it that recognition. What are your sort of thoughts on how you'd, you'd help the recruitment process? Is it um, you know, sort of higher wages? Is it just more respect? They need more respect. People have to understand that these people who are doing this, this, this kind of job, they are more skilled. There is no way you can take somebody and just try to take them and say, I've employed you, go and work. We have to train them. They go through induction. They go through training. They, they, they do all the things that you just, someone needs to do, uh, like moving and handling. They do the meditation training. They do how to look after somebody who needs dressing. All those things which make them more skilled. And people uh, also understand that for someone to be a carer, you have to be well qualified to do that job. Not a good meditation can just go out there and say, I'm a carer, but you have to be well qualified. That's why these people, they go through all these trainings that I'm talking about. So if only people can recognize that, and also if they can realize that working as a carer, it doesn't mean that you are the lowest paid job. We also want to make sure that carers are paid well. And this is the reason why we are always saying to the local authorities that, please, can we have a decent budget for carers? Absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's something that you pride yourself on at Medicare. When staff come in, you make sure that they get um, access to, to the training they need, going through the diplomas and MVQs that can, you know, educate and provide a, a platform for people to, to springboard from as well and, and, and provide good quality care. And that's reflected in the quality of your organization and the quality of the work, your CQC rating, you know, it's all of these things come together and have shown that over the years, you yourself have put in an incredible way of, um, you know, looking after your staff, building a company and, you know, looking after your clients. And, you know, maybe it's time that it, these things are recognized on a on a wider scale. Um, it just does need to be a change in, in attitude from, from the government down, really. Um, you know, more education and um, you know, abilities and opportunities for people as they come out of school may be one of the answers to helping that. But um, maybe a good quality advertising campaign and, and higher pay will help as well. But, um, you know, I don't know the answer. And, you know, you're there sort of day in, day out. So it is something that, um, you know, obviously with your with your answer there that uh, hopefully we can we can take forwards. But, um, you know, you yourself as you know a leader over this time, how have you managed to or how have you supported 
the staff as they've come in and as they've been challenged by you know the mental health elements and um, you know the, the 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 stresses of dealing with this sort of COVID pandemic. Right. Oh, we have been very supportive all our staff. Uh, we every morning would check on each other, find out how are you, how you getting on, is everything okay, are you okay, have you taken your temperatures, are you in good health, and everything. And some, sometimes we go around do health checks on all our care workers to make sure that they are all in good form. And also we check them together with our care workers, their well-being, and to make sure that everybody's fine. So at least they will know that when they go into a client, they are fine, they've been checked, and there's nothing to worry about. And also on themselves as well, that will keep their mental health in good form because then they know that they are being checked and somebody is really caring about them, even though they are going to work out there when there's this pandemic. Mm. You know, it's it is very important then to to be making sure that you are looking after people. It seems like you're you, you you've been trying to um to do that um you know did you have you felt that over the the past few months um you know since the government's released a uh, the care for others make a difference um campaign to urge people to get into social care that there's been any uptick in it at all or, or you know do you think that um you know it's it's been relatively useless huh? i i don't see any change to that because the main thing they need to do is to recognize the care industry, that the carers are professionals. They are skilled people. They do go through training for them to be as skilled and competent as they are. So if they can only recognize that, and then we then advocate for higher pay, pay rise so that these carers can be appreciated, they will also see that they are being appreciated and it motivates them. And you find a lot of people start training uh, and um, you know, are you uh, do you have plans in place now to sort of um, you know look ahead towards um, you know getting people in? How are you trying to yourself, other than you know going to sort of job centres or anything like that, trying to sort of recruit people around you? Do you have, is there a, is there a plan in place? Uh, recruiting locally, to be honest, is a challenge, and I don't think it's going to be working as well because you you get them in the job. Pay, you give them an offer, at the end of the weekend they get paid, they go back to the center and say, This is my case, I did get a job and work, but it's not what I want. Okay, so that's just the a... only thing they are doing, yes, the only reason they do that is, is because they want to keep on getting their benefits. Mm. So our only job now was to look outside. If only we can have that permission to go and recruit from abroad. And then um, let us people in and give them jobs. We can put them on contracts, like three-year contracts, five-year contracts, and then they can come and work. And when the time is up, they can go. And then we go back again and do the same thing. Because it looks like when we are recruiting here, it's like fighting fire. You will never get anywhere. Yeah, that's uh, an issue across you know many sectors right now, isn't it? Not just care, mm. but, but hospitality, drivers, supply chains, factory workers, um, you know, farm workers that, you know, People within the UK aren't aren't taking up some of these jobs, and that there is a, a real hole left by you know overseas workers that were coming to the UK and filling a lot of these you know quality skills um, jobs, especially when they are sort of seasonal. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see what the the Home Office does and what they change when they can whether whether they allow um, you know particular 
sectors to recruit from abroad on on more long-term contracts without the the necessary sort of uh uh you know point system that's currently in place and you know i hope that they do um you know take that on board yeah i think the point system is a disadvantage to us in the sense that they want who are nurses who are doctors and uh more qualified than the workers whereas in our industry we recruit them and then we change it to a certain level so that at least they are more competent to deliver the job, to deliver the work they are supposed to do. So if they are asking us to apply for license, I think they shouldn't ask us what qualifications these people have. You can get somebody who has got all level or A level, and that person is, is quite good because they can understand when you train them. And training is ongoing in the care industry. Mm-hmm. It's not like they are trained one day and that is train them and we do the fresher courses to make sure that they have got the knowledge and the skills to deliver the job. And has it been, has it crossed your mind to approach uh, sort of school leavers, young people um, to jump into the industry? Is that something that um, uh, there's a route for? We have tried to work with uh, Oakland College where there are young people doing health and social care diplomas but uh, you'll find that what they are, why they are doing it is because they didn't have the A level, and what they are trying to do is just to gain a qualification. And when they've got that qualification, they don't want to come in care. They want to go and do something else, different from what they've been studying. That's a, an interesting so, point that um, you know that people are mm. doing the sort of health and social care sort of uh, you know mm. qualifications at school, where they're not wanting to to go into into the industry. Into care, mm. yeah. That's um, you know probably just a necessary sort of uh, you know the lack of respect around it. You know people aren't seeing it as a, as a viable career option when in actual fact the reverse is true. There are so many skill sets, whether you're going into people's homes or, or working within a, a residential or, um, you know, nursing home, really, um, you know, there needs to be to be that change. But for, you know, your own company, um, you know, are you seeing that now the sort of lessening of restrictions, um, the ease with which people can sort of go out more, has that had a beneficial effect on, on your staff and uh, on clients? Yes, but uh, you know what, people do that, but you find the school, they are still safe, but they are known. Mm. Because where they are going, you are going to be meeting with a lot of people. Although we have had this vaccine, uh, all, all our staff have had the second job, all my service have had the second job, but still people still worry. But if you go out there and you speak to people, what is going to be the end result? Yeah, that's an interesting one that people are still yeah. very much, uh, uh, you know, being an abundance of caution in many respects, um, yes. you know, making we sure have, that they are staying yeah. safe. But, uh, uh, you know, I thought that there might have been a bit more of a, a sort of mental uplift in uh, in getting people out of the house again and, uh, uh, you know, helping to, to get back outside. But um, maybe that's that's not the case. But, you know, yourself and, and your plans for, for the next 12 months, are you seeing things getting easier at all? Or do you think it's still going to maintain the, the same level of struggle as it is right now? As long as we are not given a new way to go and recruit from overseas, we will still be talking about recruitment. We will still be, we will still be suffering. So we, we, we need the government to give us a new way of domiciliary care workers, for domiciliary care providers, even the uh, home care, um, care home providers. They also need help. So if they give us that new way to say, okay, 
you can recruit overseas, but whoever you recruit should have an offer before they come here. We, we will be very much happy to do that. But at the moment, as it is, we just licensing team and the prior one, prior two, prior three, we really are not going to go anywhere. We will still be having the same problem and we will still be talking about it. Hmm. So the, just the underlying issue here isn't, um, you know, it isn't funding, it isn't, uh, uh, you know, getting clients, it isn't, um, you know, working within the community and working with local councils. They're, they're all separate issues to the major underlying piece, which is just getting staff. Um, we don't really want to get staff. The, the clients are there. We are, we are actually not getting, getting any staff. But the hospitals are now overburdened because we, we can't get the staff out of the clients out of hospital. We don't have the staff. Someone get somebody out, and then you're not able to look after, after them and get their needs. So at the end of the day, we we'll end up saying, no, we can't, yeah, we, we don't have the capacity, mm. which I feel bad about if I turn around and say I don't have capacity. So what am I doing? Yeah, and that just provides more pressure, doesn't it? It's a round and round and round and round problem as people are then trying getting out of home but not being looked after properly, getting back into the hospital, taking up a hospital bed that can be used for something else. It's you know, it seems like a, a horrible situation um, to be in for you, really. This is a horrible situation, and so I don't know. If this is what we are saying. The government needs to intervene. The government needs to make it easy for us. The government needs to acknowledge that these carers, they are professionals, they are skilled workers. They are not just carers. Absolutely. And, you know, Angie, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. I just want to repeat that last message, you know, again, just to, to reiterate that, you know, that the issues are there for people in the social care sector. It is a hard sector to be working in but a rewarding one. And government does need to do more to help people get into the sector and stay in the sector. More respect, more pay, better working conditions. And that will help the NHS to lesser the burden on their beds and uh, sort of long-term people within uh, hospitals. Um, you know, getting people out and, and back home is going to need to be a priority undercut by staff but um this has been a really interesting uh, talk that we've just had you know it's been great to to have you on and to hear the issues firsthand and you know really underlying that recruitment elements um Angie, thank you ever so much for coming on today thank you very much for having me not a problem at all thank you and goodbye mm.